Now, I've got a little bit of a demonstration for you here this morning. I'm not normally a demonstration kind of, kind of guy all that often. I just said to Julie before I got up, I didn't try this at home before. So this is um, possibly going to go pear-shaped badly, um, but that's okay <clears throat> because I'm trying to explain something that I felt like I saw in a vision in prayer a few weeks ago. I want to share this with some of you maybe um, that I'd seen this, but I was praying about um, and asking God to put fresh oil on me. The Bible talks about the anointing being like oil, the presence of God coming as oil. And uh, I was just saying, Lord, just fresh oil on my life, fresh oil in our church, fresh oil in our youth department, fresh oil on our kids, fresh oil flowing through the lives of our church family. And I feel like God, and I was thinking at the same time about this being a month, we're focusing on resetting our financial world and we've got our, we are gathering with our Build to Reach offering on the 3rd of July. And all that stuff was just sitting in me kind of all, all over the place. And as I was praying, I felt like it kind of coalesced into a picture of this, of a jar filled with water. And I was praying and saying, God, we need new oil. And God said, well, what's going to happen if, if I pour oil onto you, Bruce? And so I saw this picture of this happening, and I'm hoping that, oh, yes, it's going to do what it's supposed to I actually can't get the oil into me because I'm full of water. Now, the substance has nothing to do with the, the demonstration. The bottom line is, to get oil to go in that, I've actually got to give something away of my life. I've actually got to get rid of some of what I've got, whether that's finance, whether that's conversations, whatever that is. I'll try to get my hand in there. Now I need a tissue, thanks, honey. Um, I wasn't ex- <laughs> Like I said, I didn't try this at home, so now I've got an oily, messy hand. It's all good. But as you can see, I've now made a bit of room in there. Maybe that's what offerings are about. Making room for God. You know, well, God's going to bless me. Well, he won't, he can't if there isn't any room. Like Jesus himself was born in a stable because there was no room in the inn. There was no room. No one made space for him. And if we're asking God to do things in our life, my question is, have I, and I felt God say to Bruce, have you made room for me? Wow. Have you given stuff away? Have you, have you removed some of the stuff I've given you? You've accumulated and you're filled. I'm satisfied. I'm content. It's like, what do I need to do? Give it away. Wow. You need to give away. That's what offerings are about. And maybe an offering is nothing more in some respects, apart from worship, but it's actually increasing the capacity for God to pour his oil into my life. And so I'm carrying more of him. And I guess the analogy stands true. The more of me I get out of there, the more of him that can come in. And it's like that, that's just an ongoing process of renewal and refreshment. And uh, you know, being a person that I am, I'm sure that God wants to keep putting in new oil. Because a bit like I think we shared this last night with the key leaders, an engine that has oil in it, the oil actually starts to get... Um, uh, messed up by and breaks down by the action of the engine's friction and the heat and all that stuff. And I'm not saying God's oil is, um, in that sense, breaking down, but I do wonder whether the reality is that he wants to keep putting fresh oil in because we actually do muddy it up a bit. It's like it's done its job. The oil for today has done its job. It's kind of refreshed and it's renewed and it's broken into our world. And it's like, woo, thank you, Jesus, for the oil for the day. And he's saying, but mate, you need to make room for the new oil for tomorrow. Yeah. 
there's a new day. Don't, don't, don't you be sitting there thinking, oh, that was, I went to church on Sunday, I got filled with fresh oil and woo, I'm feeling good. What about if God's going to go on to say to me, um, okay, now go and do something like give yourself away, have a phone call. That's giving yourself away. Confront an issue. That's giving yourself away. Make yourself vulnerable. That's giving yourself away. Be a person who's compassionate. That's giving yourself away. Giving stuff literally to people. Gifts, offerings, helping people, lending stuff. And say, like, oh, don't even bring it back, just keep it. That, that sort of attitude is making room on a daily basis. I needed a bigger jar, Lori. Because this is much bigger than that, right? But just imagine this is full and God just keeps pouring it in. But I get to the point where I realise, but I want more of God in me, but there isn't any room. I've got to keep emptying myself, so to speak. And so um, don't ever think as you're letting stuff go from your life, even with regards to sin, it's an ironic, weird thing. We can hang on to sin. Unconfessed sin is keeping us full of the wrong thing. Confessing it is making room for the oil of heaven to get into our life. Is this helping anybody? And so I'll leave that little picture there for you. If you need to make room this morning before you go home, do it. Just make room. It's a bit like going to the bathroom, you know, when you've had a lot to drink, you go and you make room for more. You know, it's like, it's just the, the, the way we're made. Just, I just like to make analogies that help you think. Some of you are a little bit, you know, kind of carnal, but it's all, it's all good. I'm only joking. I'm being a bit naughty. Um, all right. Gee, I'm oily up here now. It might be time to lay hands on a few people and pray. Because that's holy oil, right? Yeah, anyway, I want to read to you from 2 Kings chapter 4. This, this is going somewhere um, into the scripture. This is a fabulous story of um, a miraculous provision from God with, um, for a family, a widow who's lost her husband. And she's got two boys and her husband must have, because he would have ran, run the family, um, racked up a bit of credit card debt. And uh, he died with this debt in place. And this woman um, approaches Elisha, the prophet, and says, um, or as it says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Interesting little snippet of information there. A godly person, a person who loves God, can still be useless with money. Okay, it's like you don't, don't, don't assume because you're a, you're a person who's into God that you are good with your money. I'm, I'm living testimony to that's not true. Okay, I've, I've got a lot better as the years gone on, but I'm telling you, if I knew when I was 20 what I know now about money, someone should have told me back then. I didn't even know I had asked somebody. It's just like, yeah, whatever. Um, I, I've been on a trajectory that was less than it could have been. I've got no doubt about that. So just, that's just an aside. That wasn't even a part of my sermon, but... Um, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know he revered the Lord. We go, yes, what a great guy he must have been. He obviously was, but now his creditor is coming to take the two boys as his slaves. Um, that was a very normal cultural mechanism of satisfying an unpaid debt was to take the children and make them slaves. Uh, doesn't go down too well in our culture, um, but that, that's the way it was back then. Um, and Elisha replies to her, how can I help you? So I kind of like, you ever had someone come to you with a problem, you say, what are you telling me for? Like, what am I supposed to do? And I think Elisha kind of goes, well, you know, at least he's a little more positive than I expressed myself then. How can I help you? 
and, and listen to this. Listen very carefully to this little phrase. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Sometimes when we got our backs to the wall, we talk ourselves, well, I do, I talk myself into the place of thinking I've got no choice, I've got no options, there's nothing I can do about this, that's never true. Let me say that again, that's, that's never true. So Elisha's opening a door of hope for us always, as people, especially people who have faith in God, no matter how difficult it appears to be, no matter how pressed up against the wall of a very difficult circumstance in my life, there is never nothing you can do. There's always something in our hand. Moses tried to excuse himself from becoming the, the liberating uh, leader of the children of Israel out of Egypt by saying, I've got nothing, I can't even talk properly in front of people. And God just looked at him and said, what's that in your hand? He was a shepherd, he had a staff in his hand. God said, that's it, take that, that'll do. And with that staff, and there's a little bit of a miracle display of power by God at that point in the story, but further down the track, that staff splits a rock to provide water for 600,000 people. Let me just say that you get one staff, hit a rock, might have been a boulder, might have been the side of a hill, a bit hard to tell from the way the Bible talks about it, but that stick, one stick, that was what was in his hand. So you and I can discount what we've got and write it off as useless. In God's hands, it's not. So he says to her, Elisha the prophet says, tell me what you have in your house. And listen to this. <laughs> this, is, this would be me speaking. Your servant has nothing there at all. I've got nothing. I've heard people say to me, I've got nothing. And, and then, but, she says, accept. Say accept. accept. Maybe you need to have an accept moment this morning. Maybe you've been looking at a difficult situation and going, there's nothing I can do about it. Well, what have you got in your hand? Nothing. Oh, Accept. Have a look. It might not seem like anything important to you at the time. She says, except a small jar of olive oil. Hmm. So Elijah says in verse 3, go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Say empty. empty. Interesting. This story is an interesting little bit of addendum to this demonstration. Go and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Good time to ask. They're in the middle of a difficult season. Things are going badly for the, for the community, roughly. So most people are going to have empty jars in their house. They're running out of food. They're running out of everything. So getting an empty jar is not a problem. So she sends her boys out, as it turns out. Um, then go in and don't ask for a few. Don't just ask for a few. She's got a little jar of oil. Let's just say it's, maybe it was a little bigger than this, but who knows, it doesn't tell us. But the, the prophets said to her, go and get empty jars. And she might be going, yeah, well, what are they going to do? Maybe you're in the middle of that question with God right now. Maybe in this story, you, you've already been confronted with, I've got something in my hand, but it still seems useless. It still seems like it's, it's not the answer to the problem, but what if it is? And so being the obedient person she is, in other words, she's, going to, she's doing what the prophet's suggesting to do. Let's put that into our terms. Do I do what the Bible says? Or do I do my own thing? Do I forgive? Do I give? Do I love my enemies? Do I bless those who curse me? 
She's, she's doing what the Bible says, well, actually what the prophet says, but the prophet's saying what the Bible says. Gotcha? Okay. <clears throat> so don't just ask for a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each one is filled, put it to one side. Verse five, she left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They, the boys, brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped. Say stopped. The oil stopped flowing. She went on and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what's left. This story is an amazing story of God providing a miraculous breakthrough to a person in a desperate situation. It's one example. Uh, Elisha is responsible for many miracles in the, this part of the Old Testament. Um, he's quite a formidable kind of dude. You know, he, there's another story further back uh, earlier in the thing. He's walking down the road and he must have been bold like Dave Schultz. And it says 40, 42 boys came out of, out of nowhere, started throwing curses at him. So they're like, oh, Boldy, get out of here, old coot. Like, just giving him a hard time, mouthing off of him. And so he called down a curse from heaven and a bear came out and mauled them. It's like, my kind of man. You kind of, okay, well, that's a little, that's a, there's some just really weird little stories in the Bible, right? If you, you just got to go and, don't even go looking for them, they're just in there. Um, it, you don't want to use that as a template, however, for dealing with your problems, okay? It's just, uh, it's in there because Elisha's, there's a story about where he's going and, and this is another one of, of him impacting people and a nation and its, and its story with God. So what's in this story for us to help us to reset our finances? I felt like it was a story that was worth saying uh, and telling you this morning. Um, I'm not sure because I haven't spoken specifically about the specifics with Andrew Dunford, who prayed for this this morning for our leaders. He's preaching next Sunday here. His debut at Adelaide Hills. And he and Emma are a couple of legends. They, they are people I know who just take faith steps in their life and they've been happy to share some of those stories in the past. And Andrew's going to be preaching next week and I'm sure he's going to be bringing some stories of just how awesome God is in the mix. I'm telling you that because I'm not going to get to preach here again before we have our We Are gathering. And uh, I'm, I'm leaving the last say to Andrew. So pressure's on, buddy. <laughs> Only joking. It'll be awesome. He'll, he'll be fantastic. So anyway, I digress. What's in this story for you and me? Number one, our current financial situation needs to be looked at honestly. If you're in a financial tight spot at the moment, and you went to the bank and said, I want to borrow some money, the bank wouldn't just say, here you are, here's 20 grand. They want to know what you actually have and have not got. And this day and age, they're relentlessly brutal down to about the last cent. And it makes no sense. It's easy to not tell them the truth, not reveal everything. It's becoming harder because everything's tied together electronically these days, but bear with me. The story is, there's, but there's no sense you're not putting all your cards on the table. So when, when, when you've got to deal with money, don't, don't be trying to hide that little episode back there from God. He knows about it anyway. Put it all on the table. This woman was up front. She said, I'm stuffed. I'm going to lose my boys. We've got nowhere to go. She put her cards on the table. Smart thing to do when you want to ask God's help in your financial world to reset your finances, put it all on the table. So here it is. And if you're really conscious, 
that, that you've really made a fist of it. Anybody, don't put your hand up here, but I, I could say I made a few decisions. For example, I'll just give you one example. When I was, um, let me get the right age, 1976, 18, working for a bank. Bank staff, they live in, a, in this unbelievably fake world around money. Banks, it's a weird world working in a bank because there's, there's, you're surrounded by money. Back then, surrounded by cash, like hundreds of thousands of dollars cash, none of it's yours, but you're just surrounded by money. And the bank, in its wisdom, wants to always make credit available for staff real cheap. So I decided, and it's, even though this was a cheap interest rate, I decided, once I had a full-time job, to go and buy a brand new car. What an idiot. I signed up for a five-year contract on a Holden Gemini. It was a heap of crap. I'm sorry, excuse me. It was, it, was the, it was the most horrible car you could possibly have bought. It used to cut out driving to basketball at Mount Barker along the freeway when it opened up. And, oh, it had a fault. It had some resistor for the, for the spark plug capacitor. And, oh, anyway, long story short, I was coughing up $107 a month for that car. I can still remember the figures. That's a bit sad, isn't it? I was getting paid $100 a week to work. $5,000 a year was my first salary in the bank. Sounds a bit scary, doesn't it? But what I'm saying that for is I committed basically a week of my wage every month to a motor vehicle. Like, what an idiot! Now, further down the track, when I might have a few more resources, that might not be problematic, but I'm starting out in life I should have bought a $350 bomb, well I had one. I drove that down to John H. Ellers on Brighton Road, drove it in the driveway and the front wheel literally almost fell off. The axle collapsed in the driveway of the dealership. <laughs> Good day to get rid of that car. Maybe you've made some even more significantly tragic financial decisions in your life. Maybe you haven't made any, they've just been served up to you. Something, you just got shafted. Someone ripped you off. You just found yourself hooked up with the wrong end of town with money and you've ended up with this massive debt. Maybe someone's walked out and left you holding the bag. I don't know what your lot in life is, but whatever it is, don't hide it from God. Put it in front of him. Say, God, this is where it's at. What am I going to do? I got nothing. I got nothing. To, I don't, don't know what to do. Trust God. Yeah. Number two, faith is required if you're going to ask God for help. Um, a prayer like, help, is a good prayer. Help God. That's a good prayer. It means you believe he's there. That just activate your faith. Faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. Who knows what will happen if you reach out to God honestly with your problem, whatever that might be. Number three, God, the prophet in this story, always asks you to identify what you do have, not what you don't have. God's always going to get your eye on what you've got. So don't focus on, I've got $150,000 of debt that I, can't, I just can't manage it. Well, don't, don't pretend it doesn't exist, but the solution to getting that debt out of your life is not to look at that obsessively, it's to look at what, what have I got that can end up being a plot, what, what could happen, what do I need to look at here, God, and let him sort of guide you. The prophet guided her to stop looking at the problem and start looking at what she had. Look at what you've got today is part of the key for getting a breakthrough. A miracle requires a shift of focus from the problem to what you actually have in your hands. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says we have everything we need. That might mean the thing that we need is a very little thing, a very little step, a very little phone call, a very little 
adjustment. Who knows? A, a fine-tuning adjustment in your life financially can have a massive outcome change down the track. Fourth thing, the empty jars are important on three fronts. Number one, she had to make room for a miracle before she got one. So she had to get empty jars. She made space. My jar needed to be empty because it was full of water. Her jars needed to be presented to her empty so that the oil would flow. She had to be prepared to pour out, that is, empty what she had. Can you imagine that first pour? What she would be thinking. She's got this jar. She's got this great big jar. Let, let, let's not, we're not talking about that sort of jar. We're talking about possibly 20 or 30 gallon jars, clay jars. That they keep things like that in, and it's like, and she's got this fairly pathetic little spot of oil, and she's going, what's going on here? The jar is all of a sudden a pipe in her hand. It's like, but it didn't, it didn't do anything until she poured. There's a step of faith. You've got to be prepared to let go. It's a bit like running along monkey bars that are too far apart. You've actually got to let go of the one behind you in order to grab the one in front of you. It's like you, and you can't have your hand on both. Like the step forward requires you to let go of the current situation. Is there something you're hanging on to today that you need to get rid of? Is there something that you could give to God? Is there something you could give to your next door neighbour? Is there something you could give to your kids? That's a key to you actually getting that flow switched on in your life. Number three, oil only flowed into empty jars. It's kind of like, yeah, empty myself. Just keep giving, give my time. Oh, you know, you expect us to come to this, to that, to that. So, well, what if that emptying of self is a mechanism for him to fill you? And, but some of us never experience the filling because we never do the emptying. I'm not suggesting that we head down the road to burnout in order to see whether God's big enough to fix us up. That's, that, don't mishear me and don't misquote. I'm not saying that. But the oil only flowed into empty jars. Let's just say, make room for God, which is why we started this morning. And then finally, the pouring of the oil occurred behind closed doors. It wasn't for everyone to see. Interesting little snippet of information. It wasn't like, we'll go down to the town square with the little jar of oil because I want to show you everybody how good God is. And put it on public display and we'll have a demonstration, a bit like you know, a, a cooking show, so people can see it. It's like, no, no, it was take, take what you got behind closed doors. And Jesus himself refers to this kind of um, attitude about it in Matthew 6. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. So her, her pouring the oil was an act of righteousness. I love that thought, just in the mix as well. So, as we approach our Build a Reach offering at the We Are Gathering in a few weeks' time, I want to challenge you this morning to think about how giving to God does these things. It makes room for some miracles. Giving to God what we currently have opens the windows of heaven for a miracle. Opens the windows like, in other words, there's an abundance available that nothing else um, unlocks that. Always means we end up with more than we started with. Always. God's an abundant God. The jar that she started with had a limited capacity until she began to pour. And then it became a channel through which the unlimited oil could flow. No better example of the mechanics of giving. So why don't we stand at our feet this morning?
and we're going to pray to finish off. My last thought I wrote down here for this message was our limited resources will remain limited until we take action to pour out, that is, give some of them to God. Who knows what he'll do in your financial world as a result of our willingness to obey and pour? Let me pray. Father, today, I hope that something that's been said, something I have said, something that's come out of my mouth, something that was seen in that demonstration with the water and the oil. Maybe as I read the scripture, the story of the woman, her sons, being in a mess financially, what she had in her hands at home, what you did with that. Something's just flicked a little switch inside our thinking and our heart. And we're going, aha, I reckon there's something I can do differently than I've done before. And I pray, Lord, today that you would indeed set families free. I pray for anyone who's standing now, anyone who's listening online today, Lord, who is actually really filthily out of control, tied up in debt. Lord, that they would reach out to you and that you would help them see how to plot a course forward. Lord, and when they get a sense of what that course is, they would actually do it. Lord, they'd follow the advice. Maybe they need to go and see a financial planner or a counsellor. Maybe they need to speak somebody who's got skills in that area as part of that mechanism of a miracle. Whatever it takes, Lord, I pray that today there would be breakthroughs in families. We pray for our church, Lord, that we would be generous at every point, that we'd empty ourselves in worship. We come here to get filled, but we fill ourselves by emptying ourselves. He fills us as we empty. So I pray even as we come to a close this morning and we sing a song before we head out to a time of coffee and just chat about life. Even now we'd be preparing ourselves to just make room in this last song for you to pour your oil into our lives. Show us what that looks like for each one of us, God, today. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Coming to Jesus as Lord and Saviour is closely connected to a lot of the thinking that I've expressed in this message this morning. Um, Jesus can't live in an already occupied space. He actually needs you and me to make room for Him. The language of making room in our heart for Him all is actually clean out the whole thing. It's like, I want Jesus to come and live in me. Sometimes the mechanics of that is literally a conversation with God through prayer of, Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Saviour and come and fill me and live in my life. I'm not sure how to do that, but Lord, I'm standing here right now. I'm listening online. What do I do? And my Bruce's answer to that question is we pray. We ask God to show us, you, me, those who are seeking Him, how to make room and open the door and he will actually make a massive exchange in a moment of time. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, they're a brand new creation. It's almost like he takes the old insides out and puts new insides in, especially in the realm of your spirit. You're instantly a brand new creation. And uh, we love to help people pray a prayer that invites Jesus into their life at that moment. 
If you've never done that and you're standing in the auditorium this morning, I'd love you to slip your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor Bruce. Can we pray that prayer? And we will we'll pray together, all of us, in a moment. If you're online, there's a little button on our um, website that you can get down to that shows you, I, I want to receive Christ. You can click on that and it shows you a little prayer you can pray. And underneath that is another button to click that says, I prayed that prayer. And that'll connect you up with an email to us saying, who you, and you can say to us who you are. And I prayed that prayer. Would you help me follow Jesus? And, and we'd love to get involved in that journey because it's the start of something new. It's not the end. There's a story with the woman with the oil. She had enough left over to live. So inviting Jesus in your life is not like, oh, I got saved today. Well, that's great news. Yes, you did. But now the rub hits the road with the journey forward. And that's how this family helps one another to move forward in Christ. So is there anybody thinking about that this morning who's assembled here? I need to see you give me a wave and say, that's me, Pastor Bruce. Can we pray that prayer? If you're online, click on the links that are in the website. C3AH.org.au's website. Just get in there and let us know you've made that choice. So let me pray to close. Father, we're heading out into the week. I pray that everyone else will be bold, confident, making room for you to pour oil into our lives day by day so that we're confident we're stepping into life with everything we do need pertaining to life and godliness according to your will and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.